of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Mohegan Lake, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I'm joined, as always, by the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than my colleague and co-host, Michael Lagaris, everybody. Yo-hoo-hoo! What's up, baby? Mike, welcome to the show. And as always, we got the third member of the squad, the greatest tight end in the history of Maris Red Fox football. You know him. You love him. The big Wookie, Nick Kronk in the building. What's up, Nick? What's going on, everybody? Happy to bring you into the show here today, Nick. Guys, training camp's about to start, okay? A lot of storylines floating around here in the Jet universe. Some people's weight issues have been discussed. Are you going to be able to be in shape by camp? Are you not? Will you be ready by week one? Will you not be? We have a bunch of guys that were on that list. A few of those concerns, though, today, Mike, were able to be relieved when we got reports that Makai Becton showed up slim and trim, looking good, and he is no longer on the physically unable to perform list, Mike. Is that not probably the best news we've had with this kid in over a year? Yo, when we got into the last show, you hit me when he was going to be on the pup. I hadn't done any research. I was just so disappointed. And then I heard this is just kind of protocol for people who were hurt. So George Fant and, 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 and Lawson and all the rest. And so today... When he showed up strolling in, looking like someone ready to play football, someone who's actually committed to working on their body and working on their form, someone who looked like they were in complete shape and complete command, I was very pleasantly surprised to see this man walk into the building the way he did. And then they remove him from pup. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome start. Very happy. I I understand Fant is still on the pup, but Lawson's going to be practicing. Mm. Becton is going to be practicing. I think LaMarcus Joyner is going to be practicing. It's very, very um, exciting, and I'm very happy, and I cannot wait to uh, see what he does. Yeah, man, I'm excited that he got off the list. I mean, it's a daunting title for a list, the physically unable to perform lists. It just doesn't sound good, guys, when you're on that list, obviously. Sometimes it's precautionary, like Mike said. And in this case, obviously it was. Looks like Becton's going to be back. Said the knee feels good, too, which is the most important thing. I don't think he's going to be needing to do more rehab. It sounds like he's ready to go, Mike, which is tremendous. And, of course, our boy Carl Lawson coming back to the fold. We're going to get into that more as we go through the show here today. Me and Mike are going to each kind of go through some of the main talking points or things we're looking at when it comes to training camp here. Mike has three. I have three, guys. Just things for you guys, for you guys to keep an eye on. Some of them, obviously... The big-time headlines, Becton, Zach Wilson. We're going to break it down, point those things out. Some of them may be more in the weed stuff, but we're going to get into it now because training camp is about to kick off, Mike. Now, 
various storylines here floating around with the Jets. We got positional battles we know on the offensive line. We got a positional battle here at free safety. We have our boy Zach Wilson's ascension. We were worried about some guys' health, which maybe some of those questions have been answered today. Mike, according to you, though, we just went with three each because there's so many to go through just to keep it nice and short for everybody. Right. And my number three to start off is Makai Becton, the positional battle that he's going to be working with George Fant. So George Fant did not get extended. Um, or has not gotten a contract extension as of yet. Now that tells me most likely they're not going to be extending him until they get further through the season. I think you remember John Franklin Myers didn't get an extension until about four or five games in. They saw that he continued doing what he did the year previous, and then they go ahead and extend him. I think they're going to be doing the same thing with George Fant. But the issue is that George Fant may not be playing left tackle, right? Um, He may be playing right tackle. So I think he was trying to get paid as a left tackle, and I don't think the New York Jets are going to be paying him like that. So I'm very intrigued to see how they're going to start off this camp. Makai Becton, it's unfortunate last year that he was out of shape and not really playing to the best level that he needed to in camp and then ended up getting hurt. And the narrative was that his weight led to the fact that he didn't, he wasn't able to come back. But um, we had the offseason and everything we heard is that from the time minicamp ended till now, he was in the weight room every day. He was here in the building every day. He get, was eating right. And you can see just basically looking at him that he looks great and he's bought in. I know this front office is bought into him. He's extremely important. If he, I would say he's probably, to be honest with you, the second, third most important player on this team and for the future of this franchise. Um, there's a lot invested in him. So one of the biggest things I'm going to be looking for is not just where are they going to place Mekhi Becton, but I want to see this kid's grit, his attitude, his willingness to put himself out there and be able to just get out in front of it and start off the 2022 season and live up to the 11th pick in the overall draft because Frankly, they need him. If we're going to be successful and we're going to run the football and command, you know, uh, that offense of that line uh, uh, game, we need him to be at his top. So that's my number three observation going into camp that I'm looking for. Yeah, and I guess for a lot of people, Mike, that might even have been up with Zach Wilson close to their number one, just kind of what type of shape he was coming in. I know that was something a lot of people were focusing on in the media. And I will say this, if the Jets had their way, Makai Becton beats out Font, and he's your left tackle. That's what the Jets want. Mike knows that. I know that. What happens when training camp gets popping off here, we'll see. This contract situation with Font, I know he has some things he tweeted out. But let's be real. And this is what I don't get sometimes with players. It's kind of an offshoot, Mike. But with Font, they kind of paid him when no one even knew who he was and didn't think he should even be a starter. And they gave him all this money. Some people actually had a lot of criticisms when it comes to that signing. And he didn't really start producing till last year, kind of maybe – Game four, game five, and then played well the rest of the season. And now he's complaining about his contract. It's like you got overpaid for about a year and a half, you know? And then now you we kind of caught up and your skill level has risen. You played well as a left tackle last year. We know he graded out very well. But I think the Jets had their choice. The guy they drafted, you know, I think it was the 11th pick right back to 11th or 13th or something That's like right. that. That's the guy they want as their left tackle, not George Font. They want right. George Font as their right tackle, like you said, Mike. Pay him right tackle money. Uh, Becton, these injuries are not a big deal for him, right? Maybe, like you said, overcome some adversity during the season. You know, like I would like Fant to be 
honestly the right tackle. You know, it just depends on how this one. But the reason why I would like him to be right tackle and Makai at left tackle is because Makai, young player, plays with a veteran in Lincoln Tomlinson and works with and kind of gets that, you know, veteran leadership. And then you got Elijah Vera Tucker over there on the right side yeah, yeah. who played next to Fant last year on the left side. And kind of can continue with that continuity yeah. and that veteran like that. presence. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, like I, I feel like that that's the happy path. We'll see how it goes. What's your number three, Keith? Well, my number three, and just so you know, guys, I got the Mets game on. Sterling Martin is Sterling Marte is just giving it to the Yankees right now. Right? <laughs> just just smashed another one. All right. Not a home run, but a double. I know Wookie's watching. I can see his eyes floating over there watching the game, just like I am. Um, this is a subway series, guys. We've got half our squads, Mets fans, half our squads, Yankee fans. I love when these games are on. My number three kind of area I'm looking at here, Mike, it wasn't a player specifically. For me, my number three storyline in my own head or thing I'm looking at is a group of players, and it's this 2020 draft class. For a bunch of these guys here, when you go through the list, it's make or break time. We got guys on this list here, I think, let me, I'll just go through it here. We know Beckton you just spoke about. Okay, was kind of on the hot seat, like Mike mentioned, worried about the weight, didn't play last year, kind of had some uh, some chirps, some whispers about the motivation, how hard are you working? You never want to hear that. So you can consider him still on the hot seat. He might've lost his job at left tackle. That's as hot seat as it gets when it comes to a guy drafted where he was drafted, right, guys? After him in that draft in 2020, in 2020 was Denzel Mims. I mean, no, no seat is hotter than Denzel Mims. Right now, he's maybe the number six receiver on the squad, guys. Interesting to see what he's going to bring to the table here in the training camp. I know they said he reported in tremendous shape. That's what you want to hear. Why haven't you reported in tremendous shape the past two years? I don't know. But apparently this year you're in better shape. After him, we drafted Ashton Davis, another guy in the hot seat here. I think LaMarcus Joyner is going to be our starting free safety. Now, Ashton Davis did create some buzz here in minicamp. He played great in minicamp. What that means, I don't know. But tremendous athlete. I think they thought he'd develop into something a lot more than he has so far. Injuries have really caught up with him both seasons here. Um, the fourth pick we had that year, Jabari Zuniga. He's getting cut. He's not making his team, Michael. Look at the guys we got. Lawson Curry. We got Clemens. Who reported looking like Carl Weathers from 1987 to camp today, Mike. Looking like Action Jackson Predator Rocky Lot level Carl Weathers when he showed up to camp. So I don't think Zuniga's making the team. We got LaMichael Pirine, Mike. I don't know if he's making the team. We know James Morgan was already cut. Cam Clark had to retire. Um, Bryce Hall. We got LaMichael Pirine, Mike. I don't know if he's making the team. We know James Morgan was already cut. Cam Clark had to retire. Um, Bryce Hall, who was our number one corner last year. Now he's the number three corner. That's a don't storyline there, how he's going to adjust. You know, is he going to have any problems with that? With two guys, just kind of bumped him in line there real quick. And then Braden Mann, even. Even the puncher, the legendary LeBron James, the punting Mike, got hurt last year. And he's coming back from that. So when you go through the entire 2020 draft class, what are we looking at, Mike? I mean, Bryce Hall on the field has probably given us the most production of any of these players. That yeah, that's, here, right? I would say. Probably. Right? Yeah, I would say him. And then, you know, obviously backed in his first year. Yep. Ashton Davis has been a big disappointment. So you look at the whole draft class, and to a degree at this point, I mean, it just looks like a completely wasted draft so, class. So let me ask Nick this question. Um, Nick being that he, you know, he played at Division One Marist as the number one tight end in America. Um, Nick, how influential is a coaching staff when it comes to a general manager and the general manager's ability to choose talent. Because 
I have a feeling that these players are what JD picked, but I believe that Adam Gase had some sort of influence on some of these players, given look at Mims, look at P. Ryan. P. Ryan is the big type of bruising back that Gase really wanted to run to kind of push the ball, and 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 Mims was the guy who kind of stretches the field. So do you think that the coaching staff does have a profound impact on how a general manager chooses talent? I think so. I mean, optimally, you want them both to work together because you want the coach and the GM to have a certain type of player um, in mind to fit whatever scheme you're running offensively, defensively, what type of receivers you want on the outside and your slot receivers, the skill sets you need for for your tight ends. You know, they're blocking tight end. They're going to be stretched out. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, they could have been all in on some of these guys and Gase had an idea of what he wanted to do with them. And now, unfortunately, uh, you know, you hear about Mims, you know, f finally showing up in shape, which is on him. But also, I mean, in his defense, he was drafted maybe for a completely different offense than he's in right now. Or, is, or you know, and a lot of these people, even defensively, um, I forgot, I'm sorry, the, the kid's name, Ashton, um, Ashton Davis. Ashton Davis. He might be in the same situation defensively as well because he came you know, drafted to a certain, you know, what kind of defense you guys want to run. Now they're going to change it up and he's athletic enough. Hopefully the kid has a chance and he can actually do some things now. But I do think that they're, uh, they're definitely intertwined, Mike. And, yeah. and, and, and you definitely want them to be as close to on the same page as possible. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a good question there, Mike, because you do see when these regime changes, when these regimes change, guys that were high value guys all of a sudden in the doghouse and you wonder why. And it just, has, it just has to do with scheme and coach's preference. I mean, Michael Carter is the type of back Robert Salah likes. He's versatile, right? Brees Hall is the type of back I think everybody likes. Well, no, yeah. You know, can't go wrong with that guy. I mean, no, I mean, Mike, we're gonna, let's get into what um, your number two uh, kind of focus is. You're looking here at the preseason. Kind of number two thing you're going to focus in on. I think it's one that has, you know, every single Jet fan wondering. Kind of the biggest thing we're looking for this year is what? Zach Wilson. Um, exactly. I know that uh, a lot of this is number one for a lot of people, and I'll explain my number one. But, you know, Zach Wilson, and we talked about this before, Zach Wilson coming out of BYU, the big knock on him was you're in a small school, you have a billion years to throw, um, you're playing against crap talent, how well are you going to transition over to the National Football League? And Zach Wilson didn't transfer over that well. I mean, I can tell in his first couple of games, he really wasn't ready for the speed of the game, the pocket collapsing. He was not a his his mechanics were not good, and he was making very poor decisions. There were plays where Braxton Berrios, for example, had a crossing route right in front of him that he could hit for five yards, but would hold the ball. He wouldn't where the the pocket was kind of collapsing. He wouldn't you know drift into where the pocket was kind of going. He would just be kind of standing all around, and then he ended up getting hurt coming back. And the game slowed down a little for him, and we did see the turnovers stop. But he wasn't throwing um, the way being a gunslinger and attack dog like he was in the beginning of the season. So we haven't seen him yet be able to command an NFL offense. He has the. We all know the kid has the talent. I'm not going to sit here and act like Zach Wilson is a scrub from a talent perspective. He's more talented than most all the quarterbacks in the NFL. Straight up, if you look at Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is extremely talented. Not only is he talented, but he can play the quarterback position. That's two different concepts. 
everyone. Two different concepts. Jeff, anybody that me and Keith and Nick are old, we'll tell you Jeff George had the sickest arm in the league. Legend. Legend yep. arm. Throw the ball okay. 80 yards. Son yeah. couldn't play a lick of quarterback. Couldn't okay. Playing quarterback is completely different. So Zach Wilson needs to play quarterback. I want to see him be able to understand how to read defense. He needs to be able to get quick wins. He needs to be having an understanding of how his the players are going to develop and be able to make his reads and make strong decisions. That is my second biggest observation I'm looking to see from Zach Wilson here in training camp. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably most people's number one here. And, you know, the evolution of Zach Wilson, the growth, the improvement we're all hoping to see, uh, it has to show itself in training camp. If, he, if he's playing through training camp and still struggling, that's not a good sign for the season. So I think insofar as what fans are focused on, pundits are focused on, Jet players are even focused on, is can this kid make the leap? Because if he does and he plays decent and can just play average enough with the running game we're hoping we have, the defense we hope that we have, which will be a little bit improved this year, they'll be able to win football games, Mike. So, I mean, I agree with that. It's kind of a no-brainer here with Zach. Um, showed a little bit of improvement at the end of last year, but wasn't really slinging it like he was at the beginning of the year. He needs to find that balance in the middle, and then maybe he could be super productive. And with all these new weapons he has and an improved offensive line, he should be able to do that. So all eyes will be on the quarterback, as we know, guys, here in training camp. And all these preseason games will probably hit, maybe have a little bit more pressure for Zach than they do for a normal quarterback. Um, Guys, my number two focus here is kind of another obvious one, but it's just the group of players we drafted here at the top of the draft. Now, often when you draft a guy in the first round, there's a lot of expectations on him. We have three guys we drafted in the first round, and then Brees Hall is basically a first-rounder also, right? And I think all four of these guys, for different reasons, are going to have a lot of focus on them in the preseason and training camp because you really do want to see with Sauce. You know, we drafted him fourth overall. We're projecting him to potentially be, hopefully, an elite cornerback in this league. So how is he going to be doing in training camp? Is, is Elijah Moore going to be ripping him up? I know he shut uh, Garrett Wilson down in minicamp, which is good to hear. Have an understanding of the defense. You want to hear all these attributes you heard about Sauce. You want to see them come to life in the preseason and training camp. Hopefully translate the games at the beginning of the season because we drafted him fourth for a reason, guys. We're hoping this guy's going to be with the team for a long time. And when you run through the list here, with when you're looking at Zach Wilson, like Mike mentioned, we don't know who his number one target's going to be next year. We know the end of last season, Elijah Moore was thriving. And you look at his last five games, look at that game log, touchdowns, touchdowns, receptions, plenty of yards. Um, he played great. Garrett Wilson is his stock, at least draft-wise. The pedigree is even higher than Elijah Moore. You know, I mean, he was drafted number 10 in the draft. Elijah Moore was a second-round draft pick. Um, Corey Davis, we know, was Zach's favorite target. Before he got hurt last year, Mike, Mike would talk about it. He would target him 10, 15 times a game. So we don't know who the number one target's going to be, but I'm interested to see how, where Garrett Wilson is in this in the preseason here, in training camp. Easy developing that rapport with our boy. You know, because that's why we drafted number 10. This is somebody that we're hoping is going to be an elite receiver also. I think Jermaine Johnson, right behind those two guys, slipped to 26. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of questions, Mike, about the pass block win rate in college. Mm -hmm. Right? And when we spoke to different experts, they said, you know, that can be slightly misleading sometimes because, for instance, if you're just blowing up somebody, you're going right by them, they're not attempting a block on you. They're not necessarily showing that in the stats, right? But if the pass block win rate isn't strong in college, how is it going to be in the pros when you're going versus even better competition? Is he going to be able to get to the quarterback? You know, we've been waiting forever 
to get a pass rusher here. It's been a long time since we've had a consistent pass rusher. We're hoping this guy can give us a little boost there. We're hoping Carl Lawson can do the same thing, which we'll get to in a moment. So I wanted to educate our listeners about something they may not know, and that's Wookiees like money. They like money because it helps them, you know, be able to procure food and shelter. They're, you know, they 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 hibernate. You know how Nick is in the wintertime. <laughs> so, Nick, if I were to say to you, I have a million dollars if you get this right, who is going to rush for more yards next season? Brees Hall or Saquon Barkley? Who would you yeah. pick? Ooh, I like that one. Ooh, uh, I have to uh, shoot. That's a tough one, Mike. Uh, just, just picking. I, I, I'll go with Hall. Really? Because I'm, I'm just not sure what, wow. what, what Saquon is anymore after the injury. What the yeah. offense is going to look like now? Yeah, that's logical. Um, I think Hall has a better chance. I mean, he's no Aaron. You know, he's no Cameron Poe. You know, Green Bay quarterback. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he might have he might have a shot to, to, to outpace Barkley this year. Yeah, I mean Barkley rookie year was beast, and then what after that? He had a th- barely over a thousand, then hurt for two years. So he's a big question mark. Even though on paper you know Barkley is the prototypical running back and all these things, great human being and all that. Um, what you hear the complaints about Barkley is he doesn't want to run through the hole. He wants to like burst everything outside and then do it again and do it again and do it. Again. And then he's out of bounds. <laughs> no, and then he just gained one yard when he could have just got four yards. Brice Hall doesn't have that problem. If there's a hole, he's running through the hole. Okay, I mean he could do it all. I'm I'm stoked about Brees Hall, and that's kind of the number four. I know he's not a first round pick, guys, but um, when you're looking at Brees Hall, that's the guy I think is going to kind of be the anchor of the offense this year. So is, yep. and he's already, he's already basically the number one running back on the team. Robert Sala already said it. We yep. haven't even entered training camp, guys. So when you look at Sauce. Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, and you look at Hall, those four guys in a group. Now, no disrespect to to Ruckert, um, to any of the other picks we had. I think we Max Mitchell, any of these other guys that we grabbed, to Clemens, all those guys, they could be great too. But these four guys at the top, those four picks in the top 36, we haven't had talent injection like this in a long time. To get a running back, a wide receiver, defensive end, and a corner. All these places we have these giant holes and we filled it in with top level talent. It's peace mode. That's what I mean. I know Zach Wilson's a big deal. I know Becton's weight's a big deal. But man, Mike, I cannot wait to see how these rookies develop over the next six weeks and see what we have going into the preseason and then the regular season. I, I couldn't disagree with you at all. There's only one thing I think that I would definitely want to see more than that. And that to me, it's very sensitive to me because, you know, I've been watching camp for um, a lot of my life, but, you know, as an adult here the last decade, just like you. And one of the themes that keeps reoccurring is that the offense in camp gets its ass kicked by the backups. And I never could understand it. I remember when Sam Darnold was back there and they were like, yeah, the backups just whooped the starters and the starters got like one touchdown and i'm like against the backups they can't be that bad and then obviously we would then see the season and then the same thing happened with uh zach wilson last year during the green and white scrimmage and they said that the offense looks strong yo my biggest thing that i want to see in training camp i want to see the New York Jet offense. I sound like uh, D- CJ Simone now. I want to see the New York Jet offense kick ass. I want them 
I want to read on Twitter. Yeah, they whooped them. They whooped them. They looked the, like the superior unit. And again, I want to see that. That's the biggest because then it tells me I have, a, we have an offense now that is NFL caliber and is going to go ahead out there and do damage when the 2022 season starts. So that is what your boy is looking for this offseason or the, the training camp. Mike, and I totally understand that. I did not know you were going to come with that for your number one thing. But when you think about it, even going back to Darnold, we haven't had a training camp where we came out of it where they were like, man, the offense looks good. It's been it's right. been a while. I mean, we might be going back to like Ryan Fitzpatrick days. He's a vet, so you know he's going to be fine in training camp. But Darnold never really thrived in the preseason games or any of the reports you heard coming out of camp. You always heard, oh, he did pretty good, but he struggled a little bit here. The offense looked okay, but struggled a little bit here. We know with Gase, it was a disaster. Absolute dis offensive genius. Disaster level team okay that first year at least the defense was good when he was there second year not so much guys um, i mean that, that's a that's a, a storyline mike that people might not think of right away but you need to see that growth i mean we know the defense is worse than the league last year we know that guys they're not going to be worse than the league this year it's not, it's not happening not with the moves they made i know our linebackers stink but the defensive line depth which we're going to get into in a second is pretty strong our cornerback situation and our secondary situation is pretty strong. Mike Mike busted out the PFF numbers. I mean, we look pretty good in those departments. Linebacker, not so much. We're not going to be the worst defense in the league this year. The offense, though, just to think about. And we've heard some criticisms. Robbie Anderson didn't people kind of said the Jets did Sam Darnold dirty. To a degree, I have to say, maybe they did. because they didn't. They never gave him the weapons that Zach has right now. Zach has three tight ends right now. Zach has a bunch of receivers. They just drafted you a beast, a beast mode running back. Got a guy from last year who they drafted running back, also pretty solid, Michael Carter. Offensive line, the best they've had in 10 years. So, I mean, man, we really want to, when we, we, and that's all on paper, Mike. You and I have been talking about this on paper now for two months, how good it looks on paper. Mike wants to see these parts come together and not go against backups and not go against guys in training camp and, be, and look like they have no idea what they're doing or struggle against them. You have to see the growth there. Like, I agree 100%. Now, my <clears throat> my number one, I guess, thing I'm focusing on, and I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen this more places with Jet writers, Jet pundits, Jet blogs, Jet podcasts, is Carl Lawson. And I remember around this time last year, before he got the injury, Mike, the amount of buzz that was surrounding that signing was massive. Three years, $45 million for Carl Lawson, some people said, you know, he hasn't produced with the sacks yet. And I'm going to get into a couple of reasons why. Obviously, the sacks matter, guys, and it's sexy and tight. You get yourself paid. But there's a lot more to being a pass rusher than just sacking the quarterback. Aaron Donald doesn't just sack the quarterback. He disrupts plays the entire game. J.J. Watt doesn't just sack the quarterback. He disrupts the game the whole game. Okay, and I kind of think because Carl Lawson got hurt last year and it's been a year and he hasn't been in the headlines, right? We kind of forgot how good this guy is. And the X factor to this defense this year, I know we drafted Jermaine Johnson and Sauce could be ridiculously good. CJ Mosley should be improved. DJ Reed should be good. The best player, I think, on the defense, the potential to be the best player on this defense, even more than Quinton, is Carl Lawson, guys. I'm going to run through some stats here just to get Jet fans excited, just to get you hyped. Because we've been waiting around for a pass rusher for a while, guys, right? And we didn't get to see it last year. It's like you get this tremendous present on Christmas. It's wrapped. You're ready to get it. You go down there. It's like, oh, you got to wait a year. Sorry. It's for next Christmas. What, what are you talking about? You want to rip it open right now, guys. 
Let's go back to his whole career, though. We know three years, $45 million for the Jets. Carl Lawson has only started 14 games in his NFL career. He's played in parts of 51 games. He was a situational pass rusher for the Bengals, as we know. He's only started 14 of them. Injuries have been an issue, and they've been an issue with us. So you can't ignore that, guys. But the production level. So he starts 14 games, played in 51. 20 sacks in 51 games. Only starting 14 of them. Wow. Okay, just that alone, that's pretty impressive, guys. 81 tackles in those games. 83 quarterback hits. This dude has only started 14 games in his career. He was playing 15 plays a game for the Bengals 80% of his career. This dude has 83 quarterback hits. 20 sacks. Okay, if you go and look at 2020, guys, 84.9 PFF rating pass rush grade. Beast mode. Only five guys had a higher rating. All those five guys are in the Pro Bowl every single year. You know the names of them. We'll get to those guys in a second. But you look at the 2020, Mike, for our boy here. He only started 11 of the 16 games. He didn't start the first five games. Keep that in mind when I tell you some of these stats, guys. Five and a half sacks for our boy. Two forced fumbles. 36 tackles. 50 pressures on the quarterbacks. 50, I said. 32 quarterback hits. Mike, one time last year, when we did a show about the Jets' defense, and Mike was speaking to you all about Carl Lawson, said, look, 32 quarterback hits means if just five or six of those are a split second faster or something, James, those, those are sacks. This yeah. is a guy who could have 12, 13, 14, 15 sacks. When you just look at the stats he has, okay, guys? And you look at 2020, the players in the NFL that disrupted the most plays, I'm going to tell you guys the kind of level this dude is playing at before he before he got injured last year, okay? Number one in the league, 2020, disruptor, J.J. Watt, 80 plays. He had 15 sacks. Aaron Donald, 79. Okay, he had 13 sacks. Miles Garrett, 70. Those are probably the three best defensive linemen in the whole league at the time, 2020, right, guys? That, that's a, that's a top, that's the cream of the crop right there when it comes to the NFL. Number four, Carl Lawson. So this is 60 total plays. He completely blew up, disrupted. Five and a half sacks, as you know. The difference with Carl Lawson, and behind him is Joey Bosa, Bud Dupree, um, Shaq Barrett, Quinn, all these other guys in the top 10, they all started every single game. He only started 11 games out of 16, and he's in the top five. When it comes to the pass rushing grade, disrupting plays. You want those to turn to sacks? I get it, guys. Don't get me wrong. I think if he plays 16 games with this Jets defensive line, with Quinnian, with JFM, with Jermaine Johnson, with Curry, with all the depth we have, Mike, who knows what Michael Clemens is going to be? I think this guy has a chance to be double-digit sacks. And I think this is the X factor to our defense. Yeah. If he's, I- out, there, if he's out there, Mike, just terrorizing, right? Even if he only has six or seven sacks, but he's getting four or five QB hits a game, six or seven pressures a game, that changes everything. You have to worry about him. You have to account for him on the off the defensive line, and then it opens up it opens up advantages for us all over the place on defense. Yeah, this is the type of guy I personally like to call a transformer because he transforms the entire the entire narrative of the defense. You put him on the Jets last year and he's doing the disruptive plays that you just called out. The Jet defense is not the worst defense in the league. Yep. Guaranteed. Just him alone. Because, like you said, teams have to scheme for him and that opens up other opportunities. Um, I am really excited to see what he's got. I, my only uh, drawback is that I hope the tearing of an Achilles is a terrible injury. And I hope it didn't take away any of his explosiveness. But I do know that he does have an injury history and has shown he can come back from injury 
and be just as good as he was before he got hurt. So I'm hoping that to see the same type of, and I know he's motivated and it's a big year for him because if he doesn't do well, he's gone next year. Guaranteed. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. That's one of the other factors, Mike, in this is that when we're looking at Lawson and we're zeroing in on this, on this training camp and preseason, obviously we want him to stay healthy. Right. But this year for him, it's a make or break year. You got paid last year basically for doing nothing. And then now we're relying on you to produce for the reasons we signed you, which is all these pressures getting to the quarterback and all that, Mike. And I do think, like you said, I mean, if he doesn't produce this year or gets hurt again, he's history. We just drafted Jermaine Johnson. They're not going to have that contract on the books next year. And a couple other stats to throw at you, man, about Lawson that are exciting. 49 of those 50 pressures on the quarterback last year, excuse me, on 2020 for him on the Bengals, 49 of 50 of those pressures were from the right side of a defensive line, which means he was going head-to-head versus the other team's left tackle, which is the best offensive uh, tackle, uh, best offensive lineman on the field, and he's blowing those guys up. Okay, third fastest get-off rate in the NFL. Sick. Carl Lawson, .74, less than a second. This guy's getting off the line. So even if he's slightly slower, Mike, you're still talking about one of the elite athletes in the league. What he's been able to do for the amount of games he's played is super impressive. It's why the Jets gave him the money that they gave him. We just need the guy to stay healthy. That's yeah. what we need. If he, if he stays on the field, <clears throat> and he, anytime this guy plays, he's productive as hell. Nick, okay, do we, you see do you see Carl being uh, successful next year? Do you think the injury may, you know, hold him back, or do you think that you know somebody like him uh, really has the opportunity and and most likely a good future here uh, for the 2022 season coming up? Well, I think with any injury like that, you worry about the mental part of the guy coming back because you want him to be at a point where he's comfortable enough where he's not thinking about it because that's going to slow him down on the field. He doesn't want to have to worry about, oh, if I, if I backpedal here to, to drop into coverage, is my, you know, is it going to blow out again? You know, that's always the fear. But I mean, once he gets more comfortable playing, you know, full speed, I mean, Keith broke down all the numbers. The kid's a monster. Um, so as long as he can stay out of his own head and, you know, just get back on the field, get into a rhythm, I think, I mean, you guys will be fine with him for years. Yeah, and I think as we get going here with training camp, me and Mike just mentioned some stuff that we're focused on. We're focusing on pre-training camp. As training camp unfolds, we all know different storylines unfold as well. Different guys are improving. Some guys aren't as good. Some guys from other teams get cut. Maybe they end up on the Jets. You never know. We need a linebacker. So there's going to be different storylines that emerge here throughout training camp. Before we start week one, the New York Jets, there'll probably be a player or two we're not thinking of right now on the squad. Well, it's usually what always happens, Mike. Well, Senior uh, texted me the other day. He's looking forward to the competition between Greg the Leg mm. and... Um, and B. Panero versus Greg the Leg, Mike. Going to be an epic battle here. Now, what I'm hoping is that Greg Zerline wins because Greg Zerline has hit 58-yard field goals. Oh, bombs, kid. I mean, this is someone who, uh, when we're talking about it, and if you don't know, I'm sure most Jet fans know, but if you don't know, even with the stadium, the new stadium, the wind at MetLife is pretty wild. And when it is December 25th and it's freezing cold, right, and you're there versus the Bills and it's 16-13 before the half and you got to, you know, they're kind of running the clock down. You got a 55-yard field goal. I don't know how I'm feeling about Eddie Pinero. 
None. I, mean, I know I'm... that Greg DeLegale, so I'm like, this dude might blast it into the crowd. You know, <laughs> his accuracy wasn't as good last year, but the leg isn't an issue. I love the leg. You know, so I'm hoping he hopefully he takes that spot. There's going to be plenty of positional battles here as we go through camp, guys. And I know Zach Wilson, Becton's weight, um, how these rookies shake out, Brees Hall, all these things are just, we're all spinning all these plates. Jet fans are looking at all these different spots right now. A lot of excitement. Probably the most excitement before a year started, maybe three or four years, um, I would say, for the Jets. So, man, I'm really I'm really happy to get training camp going. By the time we do this show next week, we'll actually have some practices under our belt. We'll see how everybody's looking, see how everybody's progressing. Like like we brought up before, Mims will be a fun one to watch, too. Mike, Ashton Davis, all these 2020 guys. So there's a lot going on and a lot we're focusing on going to training camp. All right, everybody, and that's all we got for you this week on the 8 Easy Being Green podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting us. And, Mike, if anyone does want to get at us on social media or anywhere else, where can they do that? Guys, we're on YouTube, so please like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. We're on Facebook, at Twitter, at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter, at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, and on behalf of the greatest tight end in Maris Red Fox history, the big Wookiee, Nick Kronk. My name's Keith Farrell. Catch you next week, everybody. Peace out.